Welcome to the Way of the Emotional Warrior podcast. Where we investigate how to master and harness the energy of our emotions to regain our power, vitality, confidence, and quality of life. There are tons of websites, books, videos, and courses that speak about changing your thoughts and mindset. You know, three steps to this, nine tips for that. Old school personal development told us that all of our blocks come from the brain and our thinking process. However, new research proves that our thinking and decision making actually comes from our emotions. After all, emotions are energy in motion. Emotions drive our money decisions, life choices, relationships, and even our health and fitness. Having the life of freedom and joy that we all crave requires that we first master our emotional state. Welcome to The Way of the Emotional Warrior. All right, welcome to another episode of The Way of the Emotional Warrior podcast. Today, we have a awesome guest, speaker, writer, author. So I don't want to get lost too far in all of that. His name is Christian De La Huerta, and I would like him to sort of introduce himself and tell us what he wants to bring to our podcast. Welcome. Thanks so much, Kai, for having me on the show. I, I love what you're what you're doing and happy to be here. Um, like you say, I'm an author and speaker and uh, retreat facilitator, breathwork practitioner for the last 30 years and um, on a mission to help people understand who we are better and how to free ourselves from the fears and the limitations that we have allowed to hold us back from being all of who we are. Yeah, I think that's that's amazing. And I'm, I'm glad that we connected over all this because, I mean, the Emotional Warrior platform really is about not just mastering emotions because by itself, what does that even do? It's really about emotional freedom. That, that's, that's the pinnacle here. And mostly freedom from the lower band, lower frequency bandwidth of emotions, you know, that anger, that guilt, that shame, that stuff that is so dark and so repetitive, mundane. I mean, I don't, it just, it, it's painful to even just describing it. it it's, it's just difficult. And there are times you use it, you use it to propel forward, but you don't have to get stuck. And I love the fact that you're doing lighter work. I, I really appreciate even, you know, for those of you that someday will see this as a video, his background is just light. You know, there's, there's, there, there is lightness in what he's attempting to do. So, or not attempting, but actually doing. All right. So let's dig into this. I find that my listeners and myself included, we, we ask the question of, when something happens to us, at that point, this can emotionally rock us really backwards and get us to not be free. And at that moment, what is it that causes us to get sort of pushed back, kicked back from where we were? So let's say everything's going just fine and somebody gives you a nasty look or some, you know, coworker says something about you and you hear it in the, you know, in the gossip mill and you just get so upset. So now we fall backwards and we have to kind of, you know, account for that. So we'll start with that because I know you have plenty to say. So carry on, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The And it's a huge question because it, it entails understanding what the ego is, right? The ego is a, is a part of our minds that um, 
that kind of makes sense of sensory information um, and weaves it into a sense of coherent personality. It can reach into the past, project into the future, and somehow weaves all of that into uh, like an individual identity. This is Christian, that's Kai. It's an illusion, ultimately, um, and it's both a helpful illusion and the source of all our suffering, because there's a lot of unhealed qualities that, that are connected to the ego, one of which is that the ego takes everything personally. It's very defensive. It's always reactive. Um, and, and it's always stuck in victim mode, like what so-and-so did to me, what life did to me. Um, and we don't have time to like really explain what the ego is because it's a big conversation, but here's a great visual uh, to help people understand that if you put a baseball in the center of a stadium, that's what the ego is. Who we are is actually the stadium. And, and we've allowed this tiny part of who we are to think that it is all of who we are. And, and we make choices from it, like consequential choices about our relationships, about what we do with our lives from it's very small, always limited and always fear-based perspective. So that's why the first third of this book is devoted to understanding what the ego is and, and so that and how we so that we can break free from its self-made prison uh, so one of the things that we can do when is is not take things personally right so rather than then you know somebody could be just having a bad day or who knows what what's going on in them that for them to do or say whatever they did that we took on so personally because most of the time we're actually reacting in the present to something, to a similar unhealed and unresolved situation that happened in our past. Mm. So it's weighted through with all this unresolved issues from our past and, and a lifetime of suppressed emotions, which, which you know about. Um, so a great practice to take on as, as a visual um, and which is very appropriate for us living here in Florida is, is be, becoming the eye of the storm. So letting people have their stuff, that people are gonna do that. People are gonna blame, people are gonna project. People are gonna accuse us of unjustly of doing things. It's like, let them do it, right? We don't have to react. We can be the eye of the storm, let the drama of other people around us, and we get to choose when and how to engage. Um, other than, you know, so sort of like I heard on, on NPR the other day, somebody say, um, you know, you may have bought a ticket to, to the circus, but I don't have to be your monkey, right? So yeah. let them have, let them have their show. We, we, the whole thing is choosing when and in what way to respond and, and respond rather than react. Because what happens then is if we, if we, somebody presses one of our buttons and, and then they, they get, they got us, right? So we, and then we get sucked into this battle of the egos that, that never ends well. Um, so, 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 and, and one of the th best things that we can do towards that, to maintaining that sense of center and presence is to focus on the breath, right? The, the, the breath will slow everything down. And, and we can talk more about the, what's another way to look at this is from a biological brain chemistry perspective. The, the, I'll, I'll steal your word, the hijacking of who we are, right? Can you explain why it is that someone else can get us? Like what, what in the world, 
what's a logical explanation of I'm going through my motions, I'm in a pretty good space, and someone can just so instantly get a hold of us? What what is that? Well, there's two things going on. One, one is what we were just talking about, the ego's reactivity and all those unhealed wounds mm-hmm. that that you know they press our button now but it's actually triggering a much deeper thing. So, so say that you and I have lunch with Mary and, and Mary inevitably shows up late, 20 minutes. And, and here I am, it's like, I can't believe she did it again. I can't, how, how selfish, how irresponsible. She only cares about her, herself and her time and her schedule, blah, 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 blah. Whereas you're sitting in the same lunch and it's like, wow, great, excellent. I got 20 extra minutes. Um, you know, I can go online, I can return that phone call, um, I can do whatever I want to do. It's like, yes, thank you, right? So why is it that it gets me so much? And it doesn't excuse Mary's showing up late. That's a whole other conversation. So what is it that really gets me? And when we spend the time to do that work and dig underneath what's, why that's triggering us so much, it's probably some degree of not feeling seen or not feeling appreciated, not feeling valued, not feeling uh, worthy, right? So we keep digging deeper, deeper and deeper, not feeling respected, which, you know, it's much older than maybe showing up late for lunch. So it's really our wound that it's being triggered by somebody else's behavior. So that's why this work that I'm talking about, that's why I frame it as heroic work as part of the hero's journey because it's it takes work to figure out why we do the things we do and why the things get us the things other people do get us but it's so worth it to do it because once we figure it out it's like oh my god it's like this is really not about anybody being late it's about me feeling disrespected and unappreciated or not worthy uh then i can do work on that and heal it so that flatten the button right nobody if i go to the source of it and flatten the button then nobody can press the button or anybody can press it and nothing happens so that's one part of it the other part of it is what's going on in terms of the of the brain biochemistry which is important to understand and and this is pretty recent by the way it's it's about only 30 40 years that we've known this we you know we think we have a brain we actually have three brains and one is the, the the first one is is the oldest at the top, you know the, the top of the spinal cord, um, which we refer to as as the uh, you know the the, the 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 original brain that's responsible for survival. You know it, it maintains the the autonomic functions of the body, the the heart rate, the temperature regulation, the breathing, that kind of thing, develops in, in us from zero to eighteen. Above that. It's the mammalian brain. So the first one we call the reptilian brain. The second one is the mammalian, the, the, the center of the emotions, developing us from two to six. Um, and so, so above that is what we think of the brain, the neocortex, the center of higher thinking, reasoning, abstract logic, all that kind of stuff, all the, all the functions that make us so smart as humans. That develops in us from six to, we used to think into the teens. Now we know it's not until the middle 20s. So for, for those in your audience who have teenagers, good luck. You know, have fun with that. Their <laughs> brains aren't even fully formed yet uh, and won't be until the middle 20s. Um, on either side of the, of the, the mammalian, the, the center of the survival, are two glands um, 
like at the point of contact, like if you could draw a line between the eyes and the ears, there's two little glands on either side of the brain called the amygdalas. The amygdalas are connected to that survival mechanism. So when information comes into the, into the brain through the senses, right? In, in first they go to the hypothalamus, which is like a computer router that sent the information both to the thinking brain, the neocortex and the amygdalas. The neuronic pathway to the amygdalas is really short. So they get the information first. When the amygdalas interpret that information as threat, as danger, they react in very predictable ways, right? Fight, flight, or freeze. And, and this, this is just the way that our brains are hardwired. We see that in the animal kingdom, right? Animals, that, when they feel threatened, they attack. Others, others freeze, like, like the turtle or, or the possum playing dead. And then others like the herd animals that, or the flock animals that they just, they just flee. Um, we, are, we do the same thing. So it's a good thing to have an amygdala. It's, it ensures survival. But there are a couple of problems. The amygdala, what's called the amygdala hijack, um, it's a very, very, it's very fast. They're, the amygdalas are very fast. So they, they react in like, like immediately because it's a matter of survival, right? If we have a, a saber-toothed tiger coming at us, we don't have time to think. We just bolt um, and climb a tree or whatever. Um, but the problem is that because it's so fast, they're not very accurate. And the other problem is that they've gotten confused. So for us humans, when we get into an argument and, and, our, and even though physical survival is not at stake, the amygdalas respond in the exact same way. We go into fight, flight, or freeze mode. And the problem is that in, on top of that, what they also do is they shut off communication to the thinking brain. So now not only are we in like DEFCON 1, like ready for like attack, uh, but we can't even think straight. And so that's, the, that's kind of the bad news and the, and the good news. The bad news is that it's going to happen. That's the, way it's gonna, it's gonna, that's the way we're hardwired. The good news is that, that, it, that it means that when we react and, and do th or say something that we're going to then regret, it doesn't mean we're bad people. Right? It just means that our brain biochemistry just got us. Mm. Right, but what do we do with all this? And so it's great to know, but what do we do with all this? Um, it's very interesting that our grandmothers instinctively knew what to do before we understood the brain chemistry. Like what would, what would their grandmothers tell us? What do you do when you get upset? Uh, you, to sit down and relax. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's definitely one thing like, like pause, right? Stop. Mm -hmm. Um, buy some time, right? They used to say, to count to 10, people often say, yeah. take a breath. The, what's interesting about that is that the amygdala hijack, and it's called a hijack, hijack because they hijack our ability to choose what, how to respond, right? They just react, they get into that reactive mode. So, but that amygdala hijack lasts eight to 10 seconds. Mm. Um, so they'll count to 10, That's it works. I mean, yeah. if, if, we don't, if we don't nip it at the bud, and we go into hijack mode and the, and the adrenaline and all those chemicals are, are released into the body, then it's going to take more to go back to, to normal. So it's, it's got to be a really quick choice to make before it's too late and we go over the, over the waterfall. So also take a breath. 
right? There are swamis in India that have that much control over their body that they can tell the heart to slow down and the heart slows down. They can even mimic states of such deep relaxation that they're almost indistinguishable from death. Most of us are never gonna be able to do that, but anybody can slow down the breath, right? It doesn't take much, just a choice and a little bit of practice, a little bit of discipline. When we slow down the breath, the heart has no choice. The heart has to slow down. Like that's the, that's the way it works. When the heart slows down, it begins to calm down the nervous system. We begin to, to relax. So, so, so that's the, the, into, the, the, you know, the benefits of doing those two things our grandmothers would say. So what we want to do is also do buy some time. Like, hey, Kai, you know, I really want to get through this. I'm not bolting. But I'm not, I'm not gonna, I can't do it right now. I'm gonna go sit by the water for 10 for 20 minutes. I'm gonna go walk around the block. I'll be back in half an hour and we'll continue, but I can't do it right now. Right. So, so when we buy ourselves that time, when we press pause, um, we also want to reactivate the thinking. Right. So then we ask questions like, how did I, how did I get in this again? Because if I get really honest, this is not my first time at the rodeo. Like I've been in this conversation before, maybe with a different actor, but I've been here before. Um, then also, what was my part in it? Right? We've got to get honest about that because there are always two sides to the story. And the ego is really good about pointing the finger and blaming and not taking responsibility for anything. But if we want to get free, we've got to realize that A, it's our button that's getting pressed and it does it doesn't excuse anybody's behavior but it's our button that's getting pressed it's our emotions that we have to accept um and b who is the common denominator in every one of those relationships in every one of those arguments right right it's us yeah right so what's up with that Mm. let me let me ask you this i as you were explaining the hijack where do you think the victim mindset comes into play why is it that i mean it's obvious why somebody would fight flee or freeze all right we get that where does the victim mindset like because i see this quite a bit i've done it myself at times where you want to invoke that sympathy right it's you you feel safe again because other people are going, oh, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't mean to put anyone or any situation down. I'm, I'm asking just in that biochemistry, does that fit there? Or is that more of a learned response after the fact? And, but I mean, because some people will instantly go into that victim position. Where do you think that fits in, if at all? Yeah, no, I mean, that's huge. You, you just went for the jugular. Um, that and, and it is a state of consciousness. It is part of the ego construct, right? The ego takes everything personally. Uh, and it's stuck in victim mode. And, and that, you know, 30 years of doing this work of personal transformation, I think that is the hardest thing for, thing for people to heal and to pop out of. Um, but here's the thing. If we're on a journey of personal empowerment, as long as we're holding anyone or anything outside of ourselves responsible for our state of being, we just gave our power away. So as long as we're blaming mom for doing what she did or daddy for doing what he didn't do or the teacher, the, the minister, society, 
sexism, racism, homophobia, and not to deny any of those things. But as long as we're holding any of those things, blaming them for our state of being, for our happiness, for our well-being, we just gave our power away completely. Hmm. And, and, and that's hard for people to get. It's really hard for people to get and to pop out of. Um, so here, here's, here's the way that I see it. Um, life, one thing we know for sure is that life is going to continue throwing curveballs at us. Like, oh, I mean, that for like, a, like COVID, who could have maybe like th- five people in the world or, or who, who knows, but a handful right. of people in the world knew that it was going to happen. Most of us were like really hit um, by surprise by it. Like, and the whole world was reeling from it and still is. So life is going to continue throwing curveballs, you know, accidents, loss of loved ones, jobs of, you know, companies closing their doors, all that kind of thing. Um, economic turmoil. So that we can, there's nothing we can do about any of that. Uh, but here's the thing, what we always, always, always have choice about is how we respond to whatever happened, how we show up in response to that. When we look at it from that perspective, when we reframe it in that way, it pops us out of that victim mode. What, you know, poor me, woe is me, what so-and-so did, what the other one didn't do, what life did to me. Because we get stuck in this very victim relationship to life and we feel done to by life. Whereas when we reframe this, it's a very empowering thing to say, you know, it's like, you know what, this sucks and I wish it hadn't happened. And how can I make the best of it? How can I show up in a different way that's going to make a difference in my life and that I pop out of these patterns and and this place of being stuck? And and nobody embodies that for me or exemplifies that for me more than Viktor Frankl, the the Austrian psychiatrist. Yeah, logotherapy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was in AP psychology in high school, I was lucky, you know, to blessed to hear him speak before he died. And you know, for people who the audience who may not have heard of him, he was a an Austrian psychiatrist. Spent years in concentration camps. Lost everybody everything was taken away from him his his job his profession his belongings his property his family his lost his pregnant wife kind of soulmate kind of relationship gone everything taken away from him and in that most inhuman of settings that we can never imagine what it's like to be in a concentration camp no matter how many books or we read or movies we watch um that man was able to say that they could take everything away from him except for one thing, the ability to choose how he would show up in response. And not to minimize anybody's trauma or life experience, but if he can do it there, certainly we can do it in our lives, no matter what happened. And, and so going forward, I think if we can take on that attitude, which again is nothing short of heroic, that no matter what happened in the past, no matter what happens going forward, we always get to choose how we show up in response. That's very empowering. Uh, we have a couple minutes left. What would you, so you already mentioned the breath work and getting into that. I'd like to do that in detail another time, you know, if you have the ability to help us with that, but sure. what, what, this ability of how we 
choose to show up, what would be a good tool that we can end this with that you would say to someone here, start to put this into your life so that you can sort of, again, not fall backwards so hard when something happens. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so, so the, the short answer, I mean, the, the way to be able to choose to bring choice back into the equation is presence, right? So that we, by being present is when we notice this, the first signs that the amygdala hijackers are happening. So like, like, how do we know we're about to get upset? We all know, you know, we, the, the breath stops or we start breathing shallow. We get flushed, our hands get sweaty. Um, you know, our face feel like they're going to explode. We temperature rises. Like we all know the symptoms. That's the moment at the first sign of those symptoms. That's the moment to take a breath and to buy time and to press pause. Um, but how do we know, right? If we're, if we're like sucked into the argument, then we're not even present. We're just like reacting to each other. So it's that presence that allows us to have that, that moment of clarity, that moment of choice. Um, and so anything that's going to help develop that presence is it's any practice that helps towards that. I would highly recommend. So like even a meditation practice, you know, even if you sit for 10 minutes a day, three times a week, start there, you know, don't, don't set goals that are um, hard to keep like, Oh, I'm going to meditate an hour a day. Then you're setting yourself up for failure. Start with bite-sized doable steps, right? Make it manageable. So 10 minutes a day, three, four times a week, that would be enough to change your life. And so most of the time, 99% of the time, it's going to be boring. You're going to be sitting there, you know, counting your breaths or repeating a mantra or just watching your inhale and observing your exhale. And then suddenly there I go, you know, doing my, my to-do list, back to the breath. Oh, there it is, you know, checking items of, of my shopping list. Oh, back to the breath. Oh, there it is, you know, remembering the argument I had with a coworker yesterday, back to the breath. There I go, futurizing now about when I tell her what, or him, when I go back into the office, I'm really going to let them have it back to the breath, right? So most of the time it's going to be that. Once in a while, we'll have that great moment of peace and no mind and no thoughts and profound sense of connectedness. And those are great, but that's not even the goal. The benefit of meditation is that practice of observation, of self-observation. It's sort of like, you know, learning the, the piano chords or the piano keys so that you can play a concert or learning how to dribble so you can play in the, in the basketball finals. It's, it's that practice of, of watching ourselves and bringing ourselves back and, oh, there I go doing this, there I go doing that. That comes in handy when the rubber hits the road and we're about to get hijacked and I'm about to do or say something that I'm going to regret. Um, that's what allows that moment of choice to come in. Mm -hmm. that's wonderful hey i think this is phenomenal i think we can uh phase out at this point this is a lot for people to digest but <laughs> it's a lot I, I i love this stuff i mean i'm so glad that we've connected and again you know i'd like to invite you already back to the show again another time and we'd i'd like to really discuss your book i'd like to see what it is that you you know had to work through to put all this ink to paper or typing to you know <laughs> the computer memory banks so yeah. anyway thank you so much for taking your time and helping us to understand i i really think a lot of people are going to be very beneficial in this ability to hopefully meditate a little bit on their presence and slowly but surely get a hold of this 
it's it's amazing how much of our life we are not present. So, you know, yeah. I, I value what you're putting forward. And maybe it's not always only in these DEF CON, you know, crazy moments that we have to practice, but just generally start to really be more present in our day-to-day -day adventures. Any parting words you'd like to share? Well, yeah, first of all, thank you, Kai. I mean, just anybody who would come up with the title of Way of the Emotional Warrior for for you know for a podcast is like i so touched and moved and what important work right it's like learning about how to master our emotions and having them so that rather than being had by our emotions it's like heroic work and and so whether you call it the hero or the warrior or the warrior is like yes that's what we're being called to do and what, what must happen if we want to be free so thank you for having me on the show and thank you for the work that you're doing in the world okay well, thank you very much. And uh, at this point, I would like to simply say how I typically sign off, which is peace. Hey, thank you for sharing your time with us today. We would like to know what your thoughts are on today's topic. Please join the conversation on www.kyennis.com and at Instagram at Way of the Emotional Warrior. So have a great day and be well.